The Washington Post called her one of the most effective, if unheralded, spies of World War II. She was praised as, quote, the most remarkable girl of her generation. Without her efforts, and many more like her, Dwight D. Eisenhower said D-Day would have been a washout. She is practically, and representatively, D-Day's unlikely heroine. Hey, welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. So who was this effective and unheralded spy of World War II? Her name was Jenny Rousseau. As Lynn Olson points out in Last Hope Island, her fascinating account of the efforts of the people of occupied Europe in World War II to fight back against Hitler and Nazi Germany, Rousseau was the daughter of a high-ranking municipal official in Paris. But that's not all. Jeannie was also an intelligence officer for the Alliance Network. Now, what makes her so unique? Well, she was a graduate of the University of Paris. She was fluent in German. She had a photographic memory. And this is very important. She was also 24 years old, beautiful, and blonde. Now, why does it matter that she was blonde and beautiful? Because that was part of her cover as an intelligence officer. In fact, she played the part of the dumb blonde as she nestled her way into the German hierarchy in Paris. Often appearing ignorant and childish at the evening social gatherings she attended, Jeannie duped German officers into sharing secrets and detailed plans about their V-1 and V-2 rockets. And then after these gatherings, she'd return home and employing her photographic memory, write down everything she saw and heard. And then Rousseau would pass that on to the Alliance Network, which in turn resulted in the Allies attacking Pina Monday, the complex where the V-1 and V-2 rockets were being deployed. Absolutely fascinating. Olson writes this, On the night of August 17, 1943, more than 500 RAF bombers pounded the complex, heavily damaging its research center and production facilities and destroying all blueprints of the V-2s. You know, later the Germans moved to mobile launching sites, but the Allies spy network, gleaning uh, information from multiple sources, enabled the U.S. Air Force, which worked in tandem with Great Britain, to launch massive bombing raids to take out the sites where the V-1s and the V-2s were going to be launched. Listen to what Olson says. In the fall of 1943, a flood of information poured in about the construction of what appeared to be launching sites in a number of locations near the northern French coast. Shaped like ski jumps, they all seemed to be pointing directly at London. One French agent who worked as a draftsman at one of the sites copied all its blueprints and sent them to the British capital. Beginning in December 1943, the U.S. 8th Air Force, operating from bases in Britain, launched massive bombing raids to knock out the V-1 sites wherever and whenever they appeared. The Germans finally gave up on their construction, switching to prefabricated mobile launchers. It was from those platforms that V-1 bombs were finally fired at England, beginning on June 13, 1944, 
eight months after Hitler's planned launching date and one week after the Allies successfully landed on the beaches of Normandy. Now let me go back to the words of Eisenhower. Eisenhower said, I am certain that after six months of such activity, an attack on Europe would have been a washout. That's strong words from the leader of the Allied attack at D-Day. So how important was the work of Rousseau and others? Well, Olson notes, of the more than 8,500 V-1s fired at London, fewer than, you ready for this, fewer than 30% overall reached their target. And by August, less than one bomb in seven, only about 15%, got through to the London metropolitan area. Olson writes, Without the delays caused by the Pina Monday raid, the rockets would have been fired months earlier and from shorter ranges. And as I read this, my aha moment was this. It's pretty simple, but it's pretty powerful. Do what you can, while you can, before you can't. You know, it would have been very easy for Jeannie Rousseau who's an exemplar, in my mind, of so many other people who aided the Allied cause in determining where the V1s and V2s were, to think, well, you know, I really can't do much, therefore, I'm not even going to try to do anything. But instead, and, and often without ever learning whether or not their efforts had any impact at all, they did what they could, while they could, before they couldn't. You know, today I've got a massive amount of work in front of me and, and yet there are one or two other critical projects that I want to and need to tackle. And with all the other work, it feels like, man, I'm never going to get there. So maybe I shouldn't even try. Well, Jeannie Rousseau and others remind me, Tommy, do what you can while you can before you can't. And sure, you may not see the outcome, but your efforts are going to pay dividends whether you see them or not. Do what you can while you can before you can't. You may not see the efforts. You may not see the result of your efforts, but your efforts will definitely pay dividends. And that's my thought with Lynn Olson and Last Hope Island. Britain, occupied Europe and the brotherhood that helped turn the tide of war. Now, my question for you is this. What will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? <music> 